This is John Nix, and you're listening to the One More Verse podcast. One More Verse is a resource designed to help people understand the Bible. The passage for today is James chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 26. James doesn't introduce himself in this manner, but we know that James is actually the half-brother of Jesus. Now, when we say half-brother, we don't necessarily mean that in the same way that we do today. The difference is they did have the same mother, but Jesus was conceived from the Holy Spirit who overshadowed Mary. And so, this half-brother of Jesus, how ironic that now as he pins this letter and as he begins to talk about being a servant of Jesus Christ, this is the same half-brother who showed up at a ministry event in a very public way, sending word to Jesus because they wanted to get him and take him home because they were afraid that maybe he wasn't right in the head or that he was just losing the plot and that he had just gone off the rails. Now, he writes this book, and in this letter, uh, he, he just says, listen, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. What's it like to live and grow up in the same family? What's it like to observe from a distance and perhaps up close the life ministry of Jesus? What's it like to watch your half-brother suffer and die? Perhaps to know that you uh, have seen all of the injustice. What's it like to suddenly hear that he's resurrected from the dead? Whatever it is, James says, listen, I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of humility in that. And he writes this letter to those uh, who are dispersed. Because of the, the persecution that's broken out, people are everywhere. And he begins these people who, uh, to address them, these people who are suffering. And he says, I want you to find joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, for us, that seems very contrary to what our experience is. Who embraces a trial with joy? He's not saying to pretend that it's not real. He's not saying just paint on some plastic smile and go about your day as if nothing happened and nothing matters. No, the pain is real. The suffering is real. What he's pointing to the fact is that there is a greater purpose even in our trials because it's the testing of our faith, he said, that makes us steadfast and helps us to grow up and mature in that faith. And so he says, listen, if you're, if you're lacking wisdom, you can ask God. I know for me, that's one of those comforts that I take that I like wisdom regularly, but I can ask God and not only will he give it, but he'll give it generously to all without reproach. And so we we should ask him, but we must ask in faith and not doubting. He he talks about the one who is just uh, so filled with doubt that they're like a, a wave of the sea that is tossed back and forth. Now, for us, that doesn't mean that we don't ever have questions. For us, that does not mean that we don't necessarily struggle or wrestle in our faith. What it means is we don't one day decide that Jesus is the Christ and the next day we decide that he is not, that we don't waver in what we know to be true, but that in that struggle, in that doubt, we continue to trust Jesus. And so we don't want to be double-minded. He calls us to walk well and not to be unstable in our ways. He, he, he begins to walk through um, talking about the rich and making sure that we are careful in the way that we look at riches and wealth. We, we cannot put our hope in those things because even the rich man, uh, things will fade. We must not let our identity uh, be caught up in the things that we have. And so he reminds them, listen, if you remain steadfast under trials, 
that's a blessing. You're blessed. And, and at the end of those trials, all those trials, no matter how long, no matter how difficult, if you stand the test of time, there is the promise of the crown of life. He's promised it to those who love him. And so he says, when you are tempted, make no mistake, God is not tempting you. God can't be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Now, God will test you, but the testing is to prove your faith true, genuine, and real. But he he wants us to understand that when it comes to our temptations, that our temptations are, are rooted in our own desires. For even though we have become new creations in Christ, the old man that we are supposed to have put to death continually wants to seek after his own desires. And in those desires, when we give in to those desires, they give birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. We must know that we cannot be uh, deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift has come from God. This father of lights who has no shadow and no variation, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he is faithful. And when we look about this, he's brought us forth by the word of truth. And we should be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. Imagine, as you think about the great story of God all throughout the Older Testament, uh, all these pictures in the sacrificial system, all these words from the prophets, but these folks right here during this time in the first century being just barely removed from the resurrection of Jesus, these are the first fruits of this new life, this resurrection life that Jesus Christ has accomplished. And so he says, listen, I I want you to be very quick to listen but I want you to be slow to speak. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a problem with the fact that I have two ears and one mouth and I get that ratio confused. I usually like to talk more than I like to listen. And he says even more than that, be slow to anger because anger is not going to produce the righteousness of God. So he, he talks to them about putting away uh, wickedness and, and to make sure that we walk in meekness and we hold fast to the word which is able to save our souls. He calls to people and says, I don't want you to just listen to the word, but I want you to be doers of the word. Because if you're just somebody who listens and then you go away and you do nothing with it, then uh, he gives us the comparison. You're like a man who looks in the mirror and then you forget what you look like. We need to see in the scripture the beauty of Jesus. We must recognize his call to us and we should seek to obey. He wants us to know that if you think you're religious but you can't control your tongue, you're just deceiving your own heart. And that kind of religion is absolutely worthless. You see, when it comes to our lives, many times we can pretend to be something on the outside. There's a lot of things that we can make people see if we want them to see. There's a lot of ways that we can uh, make people think that we are one thing when we are another. But one of the barometers that helps us to understand exactly where our hearts are is the way that we speak. Is our speech seasoned with grace and truth? You know, the Bible says, Jesus speaking out of the overflow of the heart, that the mouth will speak. And so James points out, listen, if you can't control your tongue, it's a good good way for you to know exactly where your heart is. And he says, if you want to know what real religion looks like, undefiled before God, it's to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, one of the things that I hear often is that we get the widows and orphans part, but we skip that last part. He's called us to be holy as he is holy, as we talked about yesterday. And so we're supposed to keep ourselves unstained from the world. 
And so he moves on into chapter two and he tells us that we're not supposed to show any partiality. You know, this is something that's easy for us to fall into when someone comes and it looks like they're well put together. It looks like that they are wealthy. We pay attention to those kind of folks. We, we want to make sure that we stand with them and hang out with them. If they have a huge Twitter following or they're super popular, whatever it may be, it's easy for us to gravitate toward them, but it's also easy for us to ignore those who come in who are on the margins of society, those who struggle those who uh, have not had the same kind of life, who don't enjoy the same kind of wealth or popularity or power. He, he, he tells them the royal law is this. You've got to love your neighbor as yourself. And so he calls them to account and he says, you've got to be careful about this. You must make sure that you're not being partial toward those just because of what they have. And so he, he rounds out the chapter by talking to us about what faith looks like. He asked them, if someone says, hey, I've got faith, but they don't have any sort of evidence in their lives, then they've missed the point. No, it works cannot save us, but we are saved by faith alone, but it's not a faith that stays alone. The evidence of grace should be in our lives. We should be able to bear the fruit of righteousness. People should be able to see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control, not in a perfect measure, but in a way that they can tell there's something different. We are to walk in grace and godliness, not because it saves us, but because it is the evidence that God has rescued us and set us free. You see, we are saved by faith alone but it's not a faith that stays alone. And can you imagine two more uh, interesting examples, Abraham and Rahab? One is a moon worshiper that God came and called out of his country. The other one was a prostitute there in Jericho. Uh, imagine that these are the two examples that James uses. These are two lives who didn't have it all together, but the evidence of grace was there in their lives and they trusted God. Oh, my dear friends, as you find yourself encountering various trials, you're either in a trial, you're either headed into a trial, or you're headed out of a trial. We need to embrace those things because we need to understand our suffering has a greater purpose because our God has a greater purpose. We can find joy even in the midst of suffering. And as we grow in grace, giving ourselves to the word, as people can tell by the way that we speak that our religion is true, as people can see the evidence of grace in our lives, may we speak to the goodness of God and his faithfulness in us. Walk in faith and may that faith be demonstrated by the way that you live toward others. Thanks for listening to the One More Verse podcast. For more information about Vertical Purpose or One More Verse, visit us online at johnnicks.org. You can connect with me on social media. Just use the handle TheJohnNix. And don't forget to download the free Vertical Purpose app for some additional resources and all things One More Verse. Thanks again, and join me tomorrow for the One More Verse podcast.